0: God is telling us, Hey, uh, you've got a new heart. You don't have a wicked heart. And in fact, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You're complete in me. You lack nothing. And all I need is to see it better. It's like I'm in a room of grace and I need to take some time to smell the roses and look around and see that everything that's in the room, I'm already in the room. I'm already complete. I'm already where I need to be. I'm in Christ. I'm in the spirit. But now I need to look around and celebrate it all.
1: Lead pastor of Grace Church, founder of The Grace Message, author of nine best-selling books, creator of BibleQuestions.com, associate professor of implied linguistics at Texas Tech University, and new author of 101 Bible Questions and the surprising answers you may not hear in the church. We have the honor of hearing from Dr. Andrew Farley today. I pray this blesses you, friend. I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can. A light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world everywhere you go you have a ministry you don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry your light is your ministry it's how you shine it at your job at your family at the dinner table with your friends at the movies at the park at your apartment everywhere you go you are made to shine your light do it be it love people be kind honor them honor yourself this is made to shine hey everybody and welcome back to made to shine As you just heard in that introduction, we are in for such a delight tonight. We have the wonderful Dr. Andrew Farley on with us tonight. As you guys know him, he's a best-selling author. He is the creator of the, um, so many things, but BibleQuestions.com, the founder of, he's doing so much ministry, and he just released this book, 101 Bible Questions and the Surprising Answers You May Not Hear in Church. And Andrew, I was about to say Dr. Andrew, and you reminded me before this to call you Andrew. So Andrew, what I was so excited to have you on tonight is because here at Made to Shine as everybody knows we believe that everybody has a ministry not just preachers, not just pastors, but it's the way you go to school. It's the way you go to class. It's the way you hang out with your friends. It's the way you love and lean and learn from people and just shine light everywhere that you go. And we believe that light comes from Jesus and how we learn from him, all the sorts. And you do that. And all the things that you do in your life. I mean, you're a podcast host, you're an author, you're a speaker, you're a writer, you're, you were a professor, you're a teacher, like you do so much. And it is just so evident that everywhere you go, you bring that value and you point people back towards Jesus. And so, Andrew, thank you for being on Made to Shine. So excited that you're here.
0: Hey, thank you for having me. It is great to be here. And in fact, everything we do at The Grace Message is all about inspiring and encouraging people to know they're one with Jesus wherever they go. They get to display him. And that's what makes life deep and meaningful.
1: Amen. Amen. And you know, at Made to Shine, we have a tradition. I'm going to change it up for you a little bit. You're special tonight, Andrew. Okay. Um, our tradition is we start off every single episode with this question, what is your favorite quote and why? But if it's okay with you, I want to mix it up a little bit with you because okay. I know your tagline for a lot of your ministry is Jesus plus nothing. Yes. And I love that. And that implies that in a lot of areas, maybe people are adding something to Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so I would like to just set the stage by hearing, you know, starting it off with that. What do you think is that something that people add and the danger of that?
0: Yeah, so Jesus plus self-improvement, Jesus plus uh, a lot of rule keeping. Uh, We have been committing that sin ever since the Garden of Eden. I mean, you think about the first humans, their sin was eating of that tree so that they could self-improve. They were trying to get the knowledge of good and evil so that they could do more good, avoid more evil, be moral, be ethical, uh, and try to be a good person. And in the process, they were actually disobeying God. So I think it's pretty profound to think about that, that the first sin was the sin of self-improvement. And that's what we're seeing today. A lot of rule keeping, a lot of talk about morality and ethics instead of letting Christ rule in our hearts by faith and trusting him as our life in every moment.
1: Amen. Especially because we live in such a I feel like self-improvement and I bought into this at a young age in college like reading the self-development books and I mean that's all the rage right now, right? It's like ten steps to confidence, ten steps to less anxiety, and it yes. really does. It, and, and sometimes they they bleed it into faith, and they put Jesus kind of they mix it into. This, this self-development era. So I totally hear you there.
0: Yeah. It's like, it's great that you're a Christian, but now that you're a Christian, we want you to apply these principles and here's five ways to be a better person and three ways to be a better wife or husband and six steps mm-hmm. to better communication. And then all the while we should really be thinking about, wait a minute, I've got the Holy spirit living in me. He's my mm-hmm. counselor. He's my guide. Why is he in there? He, God could have just given me a ticket to heaven but instead mm-hmm. he gave me his own presence, himself, his life. So what if I'm supposed to actually walk by his spirit and trust him in every moment instead of just applying a bunch of principles or rules?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. And I, I want to get into the spirit because that's the biggest thing a lot of people had questions about. And I know um, your book, has been so helpful. I What I love about you is that you lean into the hard stuff. The stuff that I feel, I mean, it says in the subtitle and the surprising answers you may not hear in church. I would even add there, you don't hear anything in church. It's not just like, none of these answers are talked about in church. And so before we dive into specifically the spirit, I have questions on and some more kind of more pointed things on this book. Why do you think, that we don't hear about this in the church and if we do why are the answers surprising behind all the questions of your book.
0: Yeah, I mean 2000 years ago the Galatians were getting it wrong and it was like 5 minutes after Paul taught them they were messing up, they were distracted by self-improvement. You look at the Corinthians, they were practically having drunken parties at the Lord's supper, they were uh bragging about who baptized them. We were getting things wrong very very early, 2000 years ago. So Now, you fast forward to today, it's not surprising at all that we're still distracted, that we're still focused on, hey, I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. But in the meantime, I better fix me and improve me, and I got to get myself in good shape for God. And really, the gospel is, you know, God got you in, in great shape. Uh, He took out your heart of stone, gave you a new heart, a new spirit, a new identity. He made you one with Jesus. He forgave all your sins. You're in pretty great shape if God did that to you. And that's where we really need to start every day.
1: Hmm. So you're saying that we don't have to feel, I guess, crappy about ourselves, so to speak, and like trying to run this race of being good enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's almost like we're hearing in religion today that God is in love with a future version of you that does better and tries harder and you know loves more people and is more dedicated, more committed. And so we try to improve ourselves thinking that just around the corner, if I could just do more and be more, then I would feel closer to God. Well, I gotta tell you, I was 19 years old on the floor of my apartment, and I was begging God for answers. I was saying, God, I'm doing everything they said to do. I'm sharing my faith, I'm reading my Bible, I'm in church every time the doors are open. And I said, God, this formula is broken. Like I'm busy, but I'm miserable. And where did I go wrong? And it wasn't a lightning bolt out of heaven. It was more like 10 years of God really teaching me the depths of his grace and helping me to see i got to start every day with what he's already done for me because actually in christ everything is free everything you yeah. ever wanted from god is free uh, you're mm-hmm. forgiven for free you're righteous for free you're clean and you're close for free at no cost to you because mm-hmm. it costs jesus everything
1: wow okay so so question for you there then because i can hear my Audience who are driven, goal getters. I myself in that way, right? And so, if that's the point, if like we don't have to work and work and work and get better and get better and get better, what do we do with ourselves?
0: Yeah. So instead of trying, it's trusting, and instead of achieving, it's receiving. And you talk about type A. I mean, Paul was type A. The Apostle Paul was definitely a type A personality. Uh, He was eager. He was absolutely driven uh, I definitely have that type A as I found myself on the floor of my apartment I was doing more than anybody else I was uh, one o'clock in the morning recalling my lack of service and going to a 24-hour grocery store so I could find somebody to share Christ with so that I could feel better about me uh, and you know you can try and try as much as you want but when you get in that trying and achieving system, you have to remember that the standard is perfection, and that's really what the law is. The law is 613 fingers pointed right at us saying, you're going to have to perform perfectly. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, be perfect like God, and by the time you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, everybody's dead. Nobody makes it through. Uh, Cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, be perfect. He told the rich man to sell everything. He was making a point that if you think the law is here with avoiding murder, well, I tell you, the law is up here with avoiding anger. And if you think it's about avoiding uh, adultery, I tell you, it's not even looking at another person with lust. So nobody makes it out of the Sermon on the Mount alive And that's because the law kills. And that's what Jesus was showing us. So all the type A's, I guess we have to come to the end of our resources and just admit, I can't do any more trying. I've got to do trusting in the finished work of Christ.
1: Which is so hard, right? Trusting is hard. And um, what I love about how you're articulating this in your own story is that you you are trying to serve God. It wasn't like you were the prodigal son, ran away doing all this stuff. So I think that speaks to not only the people that are that are far from God, trying to to try and try and try and strive and strive and strive without God, but no yeah. one talks about when you are trying to serve God and you're trying and trying and trying and how frustrating that can be. So I love that because I think it speaks to to the the kind of the chasm between those two different types of people. And I know you mentioned the spirit. And mm-hmm. I'll be, I mean, I'll be honest in saying, I actually was having this conversation with someone at coffee the other day. I was like, she asked me, who do you feel the closest to? God, Jesus, or the spirit? I was like, what an interesting question. God, hands down. And she's mm-hmm. like, why? And I'm like, well, uh, I feel like God is the only one preached in pulpits right now. In, in, mm. the, in regards to truly, like it's either God or Jesus. Like the, the mm. spirit is really not preached about much in the different churches that I've been to in Atlanta or just listening online. And so I'm curious your take on why you think that is, and then the importance of of yeah. focusing in on your relationship with with the Spirit.
0: Yeah. So I think that we've essentially been divided into two groups on planet Earth. We got the cerebral Christians who are saying, we're the deep thinkers. And then we've got more emotional christians who say well we're experiencing something that you're not experiencing and so then the cerebral christians are judging the emotional christians and vice versa the emotional christians are saying well you're just all up in your head and not experiencing anything real with god so when you have a a group of believers divided in half like that um, then there's a great deal of uh well misunderstanding but also there's a lot lacking And so I love what we're sharing at The Grace Message, because we're saying the Holy Spirit is for anybody and everybody. And in fact, every Christian, in order to even be a Christian, you have to be born of the Spirit, and you have to be one with the Spirit, and the Spirit has to live in you. And that's true for every Christian. So He's not a feeling. He's a person. And I would say, I know we're tempted to try to have some sort of particular emotion, but expressing Jesus, think about this, expressing Jesus is like being yourself every day. If you're the new creation, and if you're a child of God, and you're one with the Lord, he's not trying to get you to be somebody else. That's the beauty of being a believer. You get to be yourself yourself. And express Jesus at the exact same time, no conflict because you're not an obstacle to God. You're actually His instrument, and you're a perfect fit with Him.
1: Wow, I think people need to go back and listen to that again because I have that challenges exists my thinking too because I've always heard it put. It's, it, there is kind of this connotation in regards to being yourself. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. I once heard it put like any good in me is only Jesus. Everything else sucks. And and basically like, mm. and so I feel like there's no room for individuality, but, but you're saying, no, being yourself is, is the ultimate expression of being an instrument of God. He I'm, created yeah. you.
0: Yeah. I'm saying there's a really morbid and uh, ugly and damaging belief system out there where we're telling Christians exactly what you quoted that you've heard too. We've all heard it. Um, You know, first of all, we're told uh, you need to die to self. Okay, well, that phrase, even though it's not in the Bible, uh, we're using it all over the place. It's in the Bible belt, but it's not in the Bible. And we need to be careful because the impression we're giving is that you yourself, you are no good to God. And really, uh, could we just hit the pause button and say, well, wait a minute. Then why did I get born again? why did I get a new heart? Why did I get a new spirit? Why am I called a new creation? Uh, How could a child of God be detestable to God? Like, none of this makes any sense. What we need to do is say, yeah, my old self was an obstacle, but remember, I was crucified, buried, and raised at salvation. I became a new person, and so I'm actually compatible with Christ now And he says, I've got this vine branches relationship with him. Uh, So you're not an obstacle, you're an instrument. I know in West Texas, we got this big billboard that I saw, uh, and it said, More of him, less of me. And that sounds really humble and really spiritual, but basically it makes you and I into a dirty worm, and we got to get out of God's way because we're constantly an obstacle to him. Well, God already had all of him and none of us uh, before creation. And then he decided to create us and he pursued us. He saved us. He indwelt us. And now we're his kids and we're in his kingdom. He's qualified us. We're forgiven and righteous and holy and blameless. I think he wants us to be a part of this. It's not all of him and none of us. It's all of us and all of him Together in a beautiful union, we're not an obstacle, we're his instrument.
1: Oh my gosh. So good. I I feel like sometimes people treat God as this insecure middle school girl that like has to put down everybody else to make her feel great. And you know what I mean? And I'm like, when you really think about that, it's like, no, God is God. I mean, if He is the God in the Bible that we read about, He is not could like feeling insecure when when we're living our richest, boldest, most confident life in his son, right? Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: We're not a threat to him. Gosh,
1: that's so good. And you talk about in the book, the difference between like walking by and being in the spirit. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that distinction is?
0: Yeah. You know, first, I just want to say I agree with you. I I love Acts, which tells us God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. And I love the picture you painted of a needy person up in heaven, you know, furrowed brow, wringing his hands, going, when is he or when is she going to get their act together and, you know, finally do what I need them to do? God's not desperate. And uh, so, you know, when we realize that God is whole and complete, um, it really takes the pressure off. And and lastly, you know, as far as being in the spirit, you know, the realtors will tell you location, 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 right? Uh, That's the big deal. And so our location has been set. You are always in the spirit. All of us who are in Christ, we're in the spirit 24-7 without interruption. But of course, we have moment-by-moment choices. I can walk by the flesh or walk by the Spirit. Now, the catch is, Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, why not walk by the Spirit? In other words, it just makes perfect sense. So as you get to know your new heart, as you get to know your new nature, as you get to know Christ's presence in you, you're like, you know, I could actually save a whole lot of time and effort and misery chasing after this other stuff. If I just walk by the spirit and actually believe that my father knows what he's talking about Mm -hmm. when he says that I'm addicted to righteousness, I'm allergic to sin, and I'm a slave of righteousness. I can't get away from it. My union with Jesus is real, and nothing Mm -hmm. else will satisfy.
1: Is there, what is the distinction or the triggers I like like the little sirens that, oh, I'm walking in the flesh versus I'm walking in the spirit because many a times I think people and I, myself, I I get confused. Like I ask God, God, am I doing the right thing? I don't know. Cause is it a feeling? Is it not a feeling? Is it okay to Mm -hmm. say it's a feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just talk to me through that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a lifetime of learning. First, I don't think it's a feeling. We can't say that. Uh, But, because you know, if I say I have this feeling and somebody else says they have another feeling, I mean, we could all talk about our feelings. But at the end of the day, I think it is based on getting to know the character and person of Jesus uh, living in us over an 80 year plan. Put yourself on the 80 year plan. And if we mess up along the way, we're forgiven and we're loved and we're accepted. Um, But we're getting to know the Holy Spirit and what he's up to in our lives. So sometimes we'll react a certain way to somebody. And let's say that it gets really stressful for us on the inside. We lose our peace. We start thinking thoughts like, you know, I really didn't have to overreact like that. Or, you know, that that was just resentment and bitterness. And I need to release that person and forgive them. Or, you know, the Spirit of God is going to counsel us like a great counselor Uh, from the inside. No guilt, no shame, but coaching. Uh, You know, God's, God's training, God's discipline is training for the future, but it's not any punishment for the past. And so I think we just get to know the scriptures, and we get to know the truth of God's Word, and we get to know who Jesus is in us. And over time, it's like the greatest influence in the world Uh, really takes over and we get used to listening to him and walking by his spirit. It's not a feeling. It's more of a knowing. I would say it's a knowing and not a feeling.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love how you mentioned the like 80 year plan because that is the opposite of what our world preaches right now, right? Just yes. In regards to, I, I always joke, we live in the microwave society. You know, people want to put their dreams and goals in the microwave, set it to 15. They come out perfect. But I feel like we, you know, God's plan, he's a crockpot kind of God. Like he wants us to simmer for a little bit. And um, that requires faith. It requires faith to say, hey, I'm in this for the long call. And training, you use that word, mm-hmm. um, reminds me kind of of trusting because you think about training and we were talking about schools before this. So at Wofford, I played tennis and part of that training was messing up and being okay with messing up because in the mess ups, I learned sometimes more than when I when I won in the wins, right? And so yeah. it's having trust and faith throughout the entire, the wins and the losses, and that requires a commitment. And I think sometimes we use God, whether we intend to or not, as almost like this genie in a bottle. We want him to, in order to get what we want. And then when we don't get what we want, we think, what did I do, God? What did I do wrong? That you didn't give me what I wanted, right? Yeah. Yes. And so all that to say, you have a quote in the book and it says, believers don't need to hunger and thirst for more of the spirit. And I really, I connected with that in a way that now when you're talking about this long-term plan, talk to me through. So it sounds like Mm -hmm. we have as much of the Spirit as we're ever going to have right now, but there's still this long-term process of, I guess, building out that relationship or awareness of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I love the word awareness. I think um, that's really what the New Testament is doing for Christians. I mean, first, let me say it's rare for me to talk to somebody that's willing to, to abandon this sort of hunger and thirsting. It's almost like the whining, even in our music, uh, we are many times in our songs, we're whining uh, for more, almost like a a girlfriend who's lost her boyfriend or vice versa Mm -hmm. to try to get God back and get more of God and, you know, come down into this place and fall fresh on me. And, oh God, I've got a wicked heart. And we're quoting the Old Testament. and, And meanwhile, God is telling us hey, uh, you've got a new heart. You don't have a wicked heart. And in fact, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You're complete in me. You lack nothing. And I think if we wrap our minds around that, then we come back to what you said. Uh, What do I really need? I need an awareness. And Romans 12 calls that the renewing of the mind. So I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow and I'm going to get my mind renewed to everything that I've already got. It's called the riches that are in Christ Jesus. And all I need is to see it better. It's like I'm in a room of grace and I need to take some time to smell the roses and look around and see that everything that's in the room, I'm already in the room. I'm already complete. I'm already where I need to be. I'm in Christ. I'm in the spirit. But now I need to look around and celebrate it all.
1: Celebrate it all. What does that look like to you? And the reason I ask is, again, type Mm A, success driven. When I hear "I'm already complete in Christ," and Mm -hmm. I am almost like allowed to feel good about myself and love myself, Mm -hmm. um, that makes me want to just, you know, go achieve all the things. Like I feel so fired up. I want to, but then there's that that there's that line between the intention behind, you know, not, not striving and, and striving for, cause you know, I guess my question here is Mm -hmm. for people that are success driven, I feel like one, they they try to reach success to feel good about themselves. But if you're saying they can already feel good about themselves, they use that to fuel their drive. Is that okay? Like to, yes. to be driven, to be ambitious, to want to reach lofty goals?
0: Yeah. So I don't think we wanted to tone down Jesus 2000 years ago. We didn't want to tone down the apostle Paul. Those are driven people. I think we got mm-hmm. driven people today. Uh, but yes, you're you're noticing the difference. So We either start out trying to get okay, or we wake up and we thank God that we are okay, uh, that we're off the charts okay. Scale of one to 10, you're an 11. You're the righteousness of God. So then it's like, doesn't that get you jazzed? I mean, you don't have to go do something, but now look at you, you're qualified and you're, you're invited to the table and God thinks the world of you and you're clean and you're close and there's nothing wrong with you and he's not picking at you and he's not getting out his scorecard and there's no clipboard that he's using to put down your, your, your score. So suddenly uh, you've got all the reason in the world to be excited about your union with Christ. And I've discovered that that leads to exactly everything that God said it would. I mean, joy, you're not going to manufacture that. That has to be real. Peace and patience. Why would you be patient with yourself and others unless you realized God's patient with you? Mm -hmm. Um, And so peace, how could you have peace inside if you were constantly trying to do more and be more and work harder? Uh, That makes no sense.
1: Can you lose that? Can you lose the, and you you talk about this a little bit in the book, can you lose, I don't know if the word is salvation or lose um, that feeling of, I've always kind of heard it put like, you know, the hand of God is on your life. And whenever I've heard that, it's it's been in times where things have been going really great for me. But then that makes me think when when I've had, I call them my closet floor moments where I'm just like, life is, what is life right now? That nothing is happening the way I thought in not a great way. I'm like, wait, did God's hand, is it not on my life right now? So can you lose mm. that connection ever?
0: Okay, so you can never, ever lose your connection with Christ. You cannot lose your salvation uh, for three reasons. Number one, uh, God tells us that our forgiveness is total. Uh, so we have once for all forgiveness. A, a Christian is a totally forgiven person, past, present, and future. And we can see that in Hebrews ten fourteen, for example. It says, by one sacrifice, you've been made perfect for all time. So that means Christians are forgiven forever, for all time. And then secondly, remember the kind of life we have. Uh, Jesus said that we have eternal life or everlasting life. He never called it temporary life or life until you mess it up. Uh, So we got to remember that. And then lastly, the promises of God. Oh, my goodness. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand, even if you are faithless. I remain faithful. Nothing separates us. No condemnation. That's the truth that we're supposed to be excited about. He said the truth would set us free, and that's real.
1: When you speak, it is so apparent that you have done work to build this relationship that you have, because it's a relationship with Christ, right? And Mm -hmm. relationships require intention. Um, If you don't water a plant, it will die. Yeah, You know, like in the sense that you, you've you got to be intentional about it. I feel like today, a lot of people, and I was, I didn't get my first Bible until I was a junior in college at Wofford College mm-hmm. is when I got my yep. first Bible. And I feel like a lot of this younger generation is relying on a third party to bring to them the word, right? Like they very rarely get in the word themselves. If they do, it's maybe a devotional written by someone else to help explain it. Where would you say, if if any is the danger in not getting into scripture for yourself, even if you feel like you're not smart enough to get anything from it right off the bat.
0: Yeah, so I would say that uh, you you can understand the scripture. If Christ lives in you, then he's given you discernment. And, you know, sometimes we're very quick to just accept somebody else's um, idea, of uh, what's true about God, but really, I mean, every single scholar, even though they've got an academic education, uh, every single scholar who knows what they're talking about, they've actually learned from God's Spirit, the same Spirit that we have living in us. So I just want to encourage people who are watching right now, maybe you thought, well, you're not a Bible scholar, you're not a studier of the Bible. Uh, You know, 80% uh, 80 of the early church was illiterate, Uh, That's really important to actually fathom and think about. They didn't run around having, you know, a bound, leather-bound Bible, and they didn't run around having, um, you know, just this uh, uh, perfect quiet time every morning at five o'clock in the morning. They, They were actually only able to maybe read one letter at a time, and they read it in groups, and it was read aloud to them, and then they might go away thinking about one thought or two at the most and really reflect on that until the next time. So uh, we've got the living word inside of us, and he is powerful, and he's our discernment and our wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, we just need to remember that and not to just be spoon-fed by a lot of legalism, because as I said, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible belt that's not in the Bible.
1: Mm. Mm. You mentioned the the early church and like they would gather around and and speak together and there it's so important. I feel like to have, good, solid relationships in your life that you can grow in your faith with. Mm-hmm. And I was uh in, in preparation for our conversation. You you talk a lot about, in some of your Instagram, um people that are in Adam versus people who are in Christ yes. and the difference between the two. And could you explain that for us and then talk through the importance about linking with people that are in Christ in your journey with Christ?
0: Yeah, so you've got this problem at birth and when we show up on planet earth we are in adam uh it's not just that we're maybe doing some lying or cheating or stealing you know it's not just a morality ethics thing it's actually a nature issue we show up in adam and then the solution i mean jesus said it you got to be born again i don't think we think much about that but it's it's this idea that your nature actually has to change so Real salvation is almost like uh, God taking a syringe and pulling out your heart of stone, your old heart, and then infusing you with a new heart uh, at the core of your being. It's like getting the very root of who you are spiritually replaced or exchanged. And so when people understand who Jesus is and what he did for us, they say, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. I want him. I want this exchange. I want him to make me a new person. When we express that by faith, that's exactly what God promises to do. I mean, we could pray some prayer. We could just shout out to heaven. We could just express our faith, but the scripture tells us that we're saved Uh, by believing and hearing and believing. We're saved by grace through faith. And I, I don't think we realize what a dramatic miracle it is when a person calls on the Lord and becomes a new creation, but it is radical. It's a radical exchange at the very core of your being. It's like dying and waking up the next day a brand new person.
1: Gosh, fruits of the Spirit. Is it possible for someone to have the fruits of the spirit without the spirit?
0: Uh, No, I would call those um, personality traits. And uh, so humans can, I mean, we humans can manufacture anything. We can have an innate, natural love for our children. Uh, We can have uh, patience with our best friend. Uh, We sort of have partnerships and agreements among us humans. I'll be nice to you if you be nice to me, and we'll group ourselves around others who we can tolerate or treat well without too much friction. And that's how humanity kind of copes. We cope with each other. But what Jesus talked about giving us was actually supernatural, uh, where we could forgive our enemies and love our enemies. Uh, It doesn't mean that they have to be our best friend or something, but we can lose the resentment and lose the bitterness and actually function in a miraculous way uh, because of God's presence inside of us. So the fruit of the Spirit is really a miracle, and we get to participate in that every single day.
1: Gosh, so good. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, just selfishly ask you. These are just questions that I've <laughs> Um, I've asked you maybe a third of the questions I actually was planning on. Well, you... I,
0: let me say this. I would love to come back anytime in about, um, in about eight minutes. I got to be on live radio na- nationwide, but okay, uh, I would love to come back. Let's
1: round yeah. um, I, Andrew, this has been such a pleasure. It's been amazing having you on. And I know my audience is going to get so much benefit from this. Just your expertise to this younger generation. Thank you for taking the time. You're about to be on live radio. So squeezing this in and, um, and, where can people find you?
0: Yes. So you can go to andrewfarley.org. That's andrewfarley.org. And you'll find all of our radio archives, our uh, teaching. Uh, You can find a two-minute video on forgiveness or a five-minute video on identity. Uh, We just want to encourage people in the exciting news of the truth of the gospel and free people up. So check it out at andrewfarley.org.
1: Ah, Andrew, thank you. And everybody, thank you for tuning in. I hope this episode blesses you. Everybody have an awesome day. Hey, beautiful people. I hope this episode blessed you. Two quick things before you tune me out. One, if this podcast means anything to you, if you find value from it, I really am asking you to leave a review. It helps me out a ton. It also helps get this word out to anybody else. God wants it to be put on their heart. Second thing is if you're ever like me and don't have a full hour or 40 minutes to designate to a full podcast episode, I have a brand new podcast for you. It's the baby podcast of this parent podcast, Made to Shine. It's called Made to Shine Minute. It is literally 60 seconds every single morning of an idea, a nugget put on my heart, what have you. I hope it blesses you. You can find it everywhere you look for podcasts. Thank you.